Hey, Sarah, do you want to share this exciting announcement we have with our listeners? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Listeners, we are so excited that we're going to team up with Play Submissions Helper. That's right. Play Submissions Helper. It is this incredible website where you sign up and you're going to have access to all this information, this data of where you can submit your plays to. How exciting is that? That is so cool. I I have to say, it's just such a pain to constantly search for places to send my play and like try to find all the information about it. So it's so convenient to have it all in one place. Yeah, they got over 400 listings all around the country. They're all seeking submissions right now. And so if you go to their website, playsubmissionshelper.com, use our coupon code Beckett's Babies. I mean, what else? Beckett's Babies. <laughs> all um, one word, no apostrophe. All one word. You're going to receive 90% discount off your first month. Okay? That's basically free. This is such a good opportunity. And then you can just try it out and see how convenient it is and start submitting your plays. Woo! another episode of Beckett's Babies, a playwriting podcast. Every week we discuss plays we love, interview theater artists, and share our thoughts on playwriting and theater. We are your hosts, Sarah Cho. And Sam Collier. And today on the show, our guest is Heather Kelly. Heather is an actor, educator, and PhD student at the University of Colorado Boulder, which is Woo! where we are right now. She's a former company member of the New York Neo Futurists and Mad Dog Theater Company, and she has performed for many seasons with South Brooklyn Shakespeare. Before coming to Colorado, she served as the director of audience services for Premier Stages, which is the equity theater in residence at Kane University. And she received a 2019 New Jersey Theater Alliance Award of Excellence, honoring her contributions to professional nonprofit theater throughout the state. She also holds a BFA in acting from the University of the Arts and an MFA in acting from Florida State University slash Oslo Conservatory. And the reason we have her on the show is that her current research focuses on dark tourism, ghosts as manifestations of trauma, haunted attractions, mediumship as performance, and depictions of the supernatural on stage and on screen. Ooh. Heather, welcome to Beckett's Babies. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, we're so excited to talk to you about ghosts, but usually we start off our interviews by asking people about their earliest memory. So what was your life like before you ever heard of theater? What was my life like before I heard of theater? So I think my earliest memory is of my little brother being home from the hospital, mm. um, which would have put me at like three and a half or so. Um, and we still have, uh, my parents still live in the same house I grew up in this terrible, like seventies era living room couch. That's like brown plaid mm -hmm. and like very pokey and woolly. And what I remember is like being small enough that my feet obviously didn't touch the ground and kind of like the feeling of the terrible couch oh. on my cheek and literally seeing the car driving my mom and brother back from the hospital, come up our driveway. Wow. And it was like, you know, supposed to be this big bone of like, you're going to meet your little brother. It's so exciting. And I remember just being kind of like unimpressed by the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah. sort of like, okay, that thing, mm -hmm. whatever that is over there. That's so, great. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers what my life was like before theater. I guess I was like very self-involved and <laughs> uninterested in others. Well, like most three-year-olds. Yeah. What's your brother's name? His name's Sean Damien Kelly. Okay. The most like Irish Catholic name ever. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and he is actually also an artist, but a visual artist. He does comic books um, cool. and sequential animation. Uh, and his day job is as a veterinary technician. What? So we share a love of animals, but he, unlike me, isn't afraid of like saliva and blood and stuff wow. like that which wow. sort of also doesn't make sense because I'm the one that likes scary things yeah 
not, I, I could not do what he does. It's, it's amazing. So he's dealing with like blood and guts on a day-to-day On a regular basis. basis. And he just had a ch- his first child like a year ago. Oh, so he's really nice. dealing yeah. with bodily fluids on a day-to-day <laughs> basis. <laughs> Very cool. Wow. All right. So then how did you get into theater? What was your first class or? Yeah. How did I get into theater? Um, So I started off actually as a dancer, as a ballet dancer. Mm. Um, I guess when I was four, I saw, I think my mom said I saw the Nutcracker on TV and was like, I want to do that. And so she called around our little town in upstate New York to see if there's like dance classes for four-year-olds. And sort of yes, sort of no, like it's more kind of like, let's play on mats and like creative mm-hmm. dancing. And apparently I pushed back against that and was like, no, ballet, that <laughs> thing on TV, like specifically ballet. And she was like, uh, I don't know if there's anything like that up here for four-year-olds. And I guess I was sort of like a, a brat about it. And she eventually found this studio that did like a little bit of ballet, a little bit of tap, mm. and then still did the thing where you just like roll on mats and have fun at the end. Yeah. Um, and so they sort of bribed me by saying, well, some of it will be ballet, like you saw on TV. <laughs> um, and I did that actually my entire childhood up till I was like leaving for college. And I think how I got into theater, um, I was okay. So this is going to be kind of a dramatic story, but I was in a small plane crash when I was 16. Wow. Um, like oh. a two-person plane, and I have steel rods in my back. Wow. And so I kept dancing, but I was also like, I'm probably not going to be a prima ballerina with New York City Ballet. Wow. Which, like, realistically, I probably wasn't going to be anyway, <laughs> but that kind of, like, sealed the deal. Um, and I'd always loved doing school plays and just performing in any sort of capacity. Mm-hmm. But I think that really pushed me towards, okay, Um, I can still use my body to express myself, but I might have some physical limitations. So what about my voice? What about my breath? What about like all these other parts that I haven't used to tell stories? Um, Mm. So I think that's what really pushed me then to audition for an acting program in college instead of like a dance department. That's amazing. You just never know like what life is going to do to you. Yeah, totally. And it's also just like a weird thing to say in passing, like, yeah, "Yeah, I was in a plane crash. So. Wow. What was your recovery like after the crash? Yeah. So um, I was in a sailplane, which is technically the like safest small plane, which is kind of ironic. Um, but they're the two person planes that are dragged up by another plane and then like float down on the wind currents. Oh. They don't actually have an engine. And um, so the whole thing was like this. This could be a much longer story, but my dad loves aviation and flying. So for my 16th birthday, he'd gotten us these recreational flights to go up in a sailplane. And it's just you and the pilot. And we were up there for 20 minutes. It was like a beautiful spring day. Everything was fine. And it was like something out of a movie. And then we just like did it, started to do a nosedive. And I was like, oh, this is that cool trick where you like zoom really close to the ground and then scoop back up again. (gasps) And then I was like, there's no engine. That was literally my last thought before BAM. And I never lost consciousness, which is maybe worse because then I like was looking at all this like, yeah, this very surreal thing. They like have to like climb a mountain to get to us. We're in the middle of the woods. Um, my wow. poor dad had watched the whole thing on the ground and so had an oh. hour of like not knowing if I was alive or not. Wow. But so they come get us. And the amazing thing was I just, I'll say in quotes, just broke a vertebra in my back um, and had some like minor internal injuries. So I was in the hospital for about a week and they're like, okay, you're going to be in this like terrible brace for a while, but it's like any broken bone it'll heal. Yeah. So I was like devastated. I couldn't dance. I missed my yeah. recital, but I was like, okay. And then I'm back home recovering. I take my first like shower standing up like at home again. And I literally feel like something poking out of my back. And I'm like, this doesn't seem right. And I go back to the doctor and they're like, oh, maybe we should do an MRI. And they discovered I had no ligaments there anymore. So even though it was just like a broken bone, which in theory just heal like any broken bone. There was nothing like around the bone holding Whoa. it up anymore. So then they were like, oh, just kidding. You need to have like major surgery. Oh my oh, gosh. Man. So then I had like another week um, recouping in the hospital after um, I had a spinal fusion basically where they just like solder it together because there's nothing holding it there yeah. anymore. 
Um, so yeah, this is like my weird secret life that wow. I'm like a partial a robot to, like, with like a steel back. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like having had a near death experience has <laughs> shaped your interest in ghosts at all? Mm. So like, this is going to sound weird transition. Uh, no, <laughs> seriously, this is going to sound like I'm an idiot for never making this connection, but I've never been asked that. And uh-huh. now I'm like, Probably, <laughs> like probably. I wow. no wonder I'm obsessed with you know near death experiences and and people's ways of dealing with grief and trauma and all of that. Yeah, I never thought of it in those terms, but probably, yeah. I mean, it certainly it sounds like a cliche, and I've heard other people that were in like bad accidents say this, but it does sort of like instantly snap you into you only live once, anything yeah. can happen. Like live every day to the fullest. Um, but I guess it's a cliche for a reason, right? Because, yeah, because you just feel like it can be common. grabbed away at any minute. So, Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So talk about how your research interests kind of went into the direction of ghosts, haunted attractions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I've always been fascinated by ghost stories since I was a kid. Um, this is not my earliest memory, obviously, but like an when I was thinking about early memories, because you had said you might ask me about that, I had this memory of being a kid and I, I made like a mini drive-in theater out of a cardboard box. And I have this memory of going into this closet with a flashlight and pretending that I was like running a drive-in movie theater <laughs> and like holding the light almost like a projector mm-hmm. with these little like paper pictures I had made and like holding them at this like hole in the box with the light behind them as if I was like putting on this wow like weird movie slideshow and they were of scary movies okay and all I can think is that my dad um was obsessed with like B movies from the 50s like old sci-fi movies from the 50s and 60s with like aliens and you know Mm -hmm. creature from the black Mm -hmm. lagoon like that kind of thing and so I, I maybe that just like seeped into me And I was sort of like obsessed with it. And so I would always like to myself alone in a darkened closet, like tell like (laughs) scary stories, which I guess is like a whole other like psychology 101 thing we could examine (laughs) right there. Um, And then working as an actor, I would hear just in passing stories from other practitioners about like, oh my God, have you ever worked at such and such a theater? It's totally haunted or, oh, I've had like the weirdest Mm. thing happen there. Um, And I would always kind of just like file them away Mm -hmm. um, because I thought they were interesting, but I'm like, but what do you do with that? Or is that actually important? Is that just like a fun thing? Um, And then in the last 10 years or so, I thought, no, like I want to do something with Mm -hmm. this. And also I want to know why these things are so persistent Mm -hmm. and why so many people in our fields are open to them and completely believe in them and take them as second nature. I mean, any industry where you have something actually called a ghost light that you put out at the <laughs> end of the night in a theater and no one thinks that's weird. Mm-hmm. There's something going on there that we just take that as like totally normal mm-hmm. that we would have this thing called a ghost light and put it out and sure it has like practical purposes. So mm-hmm. the techies don't trip and fall, but it also is what it is, which is, you know, an offering to whatever's in the space when we're not there. That's right. Yeah. And there's yeah. so many superstitions, like not saying the name of the Scottish play. Not the saying theater. the name of the Scottish play, not whistling. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them. Break a leg. Yes, Break exactly. Leg. <laughs> exactly. So, I, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's just always haunted me. No pun mm-hmm. intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I just. I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to really dive into this. I'm going to write about it. I'm going to talk to people who have stories that they're willing to share. I'm just, I'm fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. So what have you learned along the way about um, ghosts and theater together? Yeah, what a great question. Um, I guess I think that, I think there is something about the storytelling nature of theater that primes us to at least be open to the possibility of a ghost um, because a ghost is sort of a story in mm. a way. It's, it's mm-hmm. an attempt to explain something inexplicable or, or reconcile yourself to an unreconcilable loss, like a way, a way mm-hmm. to, to deal with something that you really can't deal with or wrap your mind around. 
and and I also think theater itself is sort of this ephemeral thing, right? Like it's there and then it disappears and it's never experienced quite the same way again. And it's not even always experienced in the same way by different people, like simultaneously, they're right. all sort of experiencing it yeah. slightly differently. And that kind of reminds me of the way a lot of people describe apparitions, mm-hmm. that they're sort of there and then they dissipate and you're just, you're altered by it. Even when it's gone, you're, you're just fundamentally altered by whatever that experience was. Um, so I think that's part of it. And then as I've been at, at grad school now, specifically digging into this, I, I have really tried to ask myself, okay, but how does studying this help other people? Is this just this like self-indulgent thing that I, I've always found interesting, but like, what, what can I actually offer the world that's Mm -hmm. useful Mm -hmm. and now concentrating more on this idea of ghost stories as being um something lingering after a trauma or 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 something that's been literally erased and now manifesting itself in sort of this like metaphorical continuing erasure Mm -hmm. or disappearance of, of people and places and history mm-hmm. that's um, inconvenient or that <laughs> we would choose to forget about. So I, th- I think and hope that, that that's the direction I want to head in, which is perhaps restoring, um, restoring things that deserve to be restored that should have never been lost or forgotten in, in the first place. Mm. So, so maybe it's about like reclamation or a reparation of some kind. Mm. Um, that is so cool to think about. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> so cool. This is so, the. Oh, yes, Sam. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say what you're telling me is reminding me of something I saw. I don't know if you watched This Is Life with Lisa Ling, but she did this whole episode about visiting this small town in New England somewhere, where there's a small town where everyone comes to talk to a psychic, like it's a community of psychics. Oh my gosh, is it Lilydale? Oh, I think it's so. Yeah, I think that's yeah. And then there was this all like Lisa Ling like did not believe anything that was going on here because she's like she's a journalist, she's like yeah. a skeptic, and but she walked away kind of feeling like there's this like a sense of wanting closure, like something uh, people are seeking something from beyond an mm. answer that they can't explain in their like life, uh, something kind of trying to connect something. Uh, what's currently happening in their life with something in the past or something. But I thought that was such an interesting episode and what you're sharing, what you just shared reminded me of that for some reason, but yeah, no, I think there's, there's a reason that ghost stories, even though they take different like shapes and forms occur in pretty much every culture around the world. Mm -hmm. Like even though they're very culturally specific Grief yeah. and loss are universal. Um, right. Our our need to deal with them either on a personal or like collective level is is universal. So I I think there's absolutely something to that. And I I mean in the same way that we're drawn in some cases to psychics, like you said, um, or mediums, or ghost stories. In my case, I I think it it is because there's some part of us that is not just curious, but but wants to to think that there's mm. something there, um, would be comforted by thinking there's something there, mm-hmm. um, or excited by the fact that there's something there, and also like terrified by the fact that there's yeah. something there, right? It's all of that. Yeah, definitely. So Heather, what is your favorite ghost play? <laughs> Do you have one? <laughs> oh, I actually find this a really, really difficult question. <laughs> um, and the answer I want to give, I also feel like is cheating because I don't think it's considered a ghost play. That's okay. Okay. So I want to say the humans. Oh, interesting. Um, and I, it, Stephen Karam. That's right. Stephen Karam. Have you seen that, Sarah? No. K-A-R-A-M, I think, right? Stephen Karam. Yeah. And it's a family at Thanksgiving, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well. so I've read interviews where he, he has said that he actually wanted to write like a ghost play or a thriller um, with like, you know, literally things that go bump in the night kind Mm -hmm. of situation. And then 
thought, no, 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 I'm so in love with these characters. I want to like continue with this family, but also like family dramas sort of are thrillers in and of themselves. Um, But I just remember when I saw it in New York and I saw the Broadway production specifically, I I don't know if it was the same when it started off Broadway. Yeah, I saw it in Chicago. Yeah, but the final moment I, I don't know. Is this like a spoiler for people who haven't it's seen fine. the play? The show's full of spoilers. But so the, the final moment where there was like lights going off one at a time and like the door like banging by itself. Mm-hmm. I am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, I fine. was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I mean, it had been. I mean, it was like this very intense family drama, but it was pretty realistic mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the storytelling. And then suddenly, like the last few moments of the play, I was. It was. It was like a completely different play and it was suddenly like really creepy and unnerving. And I was like, are we supposed to think the house is haunted? Is this just like Mm -hmm. the trauma or aftermath of like the family's violence and energy leaving? Like, I don't, I actually have no idea what they were going for in that moment, but I, it's so hard to be like genuinely scared in a theater in a play. Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like those are the two hardest things, like something that's like really scary or really sexy or difficult. Mm -hmm. Like those are like the two for me. Uh Yeah. For me, the most, two most difficult things to achieve in a stage play. And I was truly unnerved and like people around me in the theater were were actually annoyed. Mm -hmm. They were like, what does this have to do with the play? Like what, what what is this? And I was completely gripped and just like oh my god what was that supposed to be was there something there like what was that oh my god so that that's my favorite ghost play but I don't know that it was he I think he wanted to write a ghost play and then didn't but then it like it has snuck back something well isn't there and I honestly can't remember in the Chicago production if the ending was like that and I'm curious to know if it's in the script or if that was yeah I have no idea I've never read the script I've only seen the play so I don't know if there's like stage directions about that Huh. I have no idea. But I, I'll never forget it. I, it was Heather, truly... maybe it was just the production you saw there. I know, like what if <laughs> 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 Or what if you like interviewed people at the same performance as me and no one else and had then... a memory of it except for me? <laughs> the only time I've not the only time, but one of the few times I can think of that I was really scared in the theater was The Thin Place by Lucas Nate, which I saw at Humanifest. Yes, which mm-hmm. you recommended to me and I was very happy to learn about. It really has a scary, and I don't know, so Les Waters directed it and I don't know if it, I don't know what it looks like on the page, but it was, there was a really scary moment in that play. So a play that did not succeed in being scary, mm. but like tried to do a really interesting ghost thing. Um, this is going back probably almost 20 years because I think I was like 20, 21 at the time. Um, New Jersey Shakes, now I think they're Shakespeare Theater of New Jersey specifically, was doing a production of Hamlet where they had Jared Harris playing Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And then they had gotten Sir Richard Harris, um, the late Sir Richard Harris, to agree to be the ghost, his okay. real life dad. Wow. Um, but then they were going to, he wasn't actually in the States. They had like filmed him doing all the ghost stuff in England. And then we're going to project it onto smoke Whoa. as the ghost in the beginning of the play. That's cool. Which was technologically like very advanced for Shakespeare Theater of New Jersey to be <laughs> trying to pull off like in the early 2000s kind of situation. Um, and was like a total coup that they'd gotten him to do it. And I was like, I don't know, like an apprentice or something there. I was like a lowly minion. Mm. So I saw many, many of the many shows of the run and it probably only actually worked like two or three of those times oh. because it was just the smoke and the audio and the film being projected. It was so difficult. So it, it I don't think it was worth it in the end because it probably only worked like two or three times. But mm-hmm. the two or three times it worked, it was it was truly chilling That's and, so and incredible. Cool. So you got to see a bunch of different versions of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's very cool. And I mean, I feel like, Hamlet is probably one of the more famous ghosts in theater yeah. and it's people either like really lean into it with the spooky like ooh we're going to give like your voice effects behind it mm-hmm. or they pretend he's not a ghost at all and, and he just, just looks like, an actor. like yeah. an actor on stage but this was the first time I saw like a theater really be like nope we are like embracing the ghostiness and trying to oh, do like something that. really dramatic with it gosh i'm just like thinking now 
of uh why what makes ghosts or like ghosts in plays and or stories theatrical like what makes it so theatrical yeah I mean I guess because there's sort of a I mean they're sort of inherently theatrical in a way right because mm-hmm. they're already this thing that you're questioning whether it's real or not mm-hmm. yeah and as we're sitting in the theater suspending our disbelief with the story in general and the actors in general it's it's like it's sort of like a meta theatrical thing right we've already mm-hmm. said like okay we're willing to believe that these people are other people and now it's like oh and i'm willing to believe that that human actor is playing a dead human that is now like returned <laughs> from the dead mm-hmm. as something else oh that's not that much of a leap for me because i've already you know bought into all the other stuff um and because I, I mean, I think this also goes back to loss and, and grief or, or mourning being sort of like a intrinsically human experience that um, sadly, everyone in that theater has either lost someone themselves or knows someone who has at some mm-hmm. point in their life yeah. um, or has someone they'd like to see again that they can't. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's something really um satisfying in that and 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 sensorial like tactile like oof. if 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 it were as simple <laughs> not that putting on plays is simple but if it were as simple as just like conjuring someone or something in front of our eyes like don't we all wish we could do that yeah for someone well yeah. and I think about Hamlet and how Shakespeare wrote it after losing his son you know and yeah. how he was dealing with that grief and and the loss of a child I mean he and then he wrote about a son who had lost a father but like I I think a lot of these ghost stories come out of grief too and so it, yeah. it makes sense that then they would really resonate with people in the audience who are also grieving I mean in a way that the ghost is not just the character of the ghost in Hamlet but the play itself I guess is sort of preserved some piece of what Shakespeare himself lost you know what I mean in a way it sort of is itself a memorial or iteration of of the lost child absolutely yeah Yeah. and yeah and I've I've never really put this together before but like he's kind of in writing about a son who's lost a father he's like (laughs) grieving the fact that his son would never have the experience of losing him. Oh yeah. I mean, he's sort of like reversed. He's like flipped the, because parents are never supposed to bury their kids. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. We say that, but like in Elizabethan times, it happened all the time. Very true. It was very common. Very true. Um, Okay, so you also study haunted theaters. So what's your favorite story about a haunted theater? Oh, am I allowed to tell two? Yeah, tell two. Okay. so I guess the first theatrical space I've been in that someone told me before I'd ever been there was haunted. So I was like, oh gosh, like now I'm, I'm walking in with that expectation. Um, so that would have to be the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center in Waterford, Connecticut. Oh, uh-huh. um, in undergrad, I did a semester at National Theater Institute there. And a friend of mine had done it the semester before. And so I was talking to him before I left saying, oh, like, tell me everything. What's it like? And he's like, that place is fucking haunted. (laughs) And and he's not, he's not, um, I'd never heard him say anything like that. He's not somebody who like tells me things are haunted all the time. So I, he's kind of a bro. Like I I just didn't think that would be something he would tell me. So, so I got there and I was kind of like, you know, and, and he had told me all kinds of things like, oh, um, if you stay in the farmhouse there, you're not allowed to have candles because you'll come back to your room and they'll be lit. What? Like he would tell me things like that. Whoa. He's like, there's actually a rule that you can't like, can't, you can't leave candles out because they'll, they'll be lit. So, you know, every night I'm like waiting for something to happen. But I will say the building that actually has the most stories there wasn't the farmhouse, which is where I was sleeping, but the mansion, which is like the main building mm-hmm. at the O'Neill Center is supposedly haunted by this ghost named Lucy. I feel like I've heard of many ghosts named Lucy already. <laughs> there's some like, common ghosts. Yeah, there's some stuff going on right there. And of course, like all the stories about her are, 
Oh, she was a servant on the property. Oh, she she got pregnant by the wrong guy. Oh, she killed herself <laughs> and like hung herself in the closet Whoa. or attic. You know, all these kind of very, very sort of cliche or urban legendy kind of stories about Lucy. But, but I get there and wouldn't you know, all the grounds people talk about and to Lucy, like all the groundskeepers that have Whoa. worked there for year, years, all the staff, they'll like enter spaces and they'll like greet or acknowledge Lucy in the hopes that that will like keep things cool for the day. And the craziest thing of all, so I, I attended there in spring of 2001, they were not putting male identifying students in the mansion mm. because they said that when they put boys in there she would shake the beds under them <gasps> so i will say even if there's nothing to this story everyone that works at the o'neill behaves as if there is so they literally wow. would only sleep girls in the mansion because wow. they said that so lucy crazy. whenever they had boys in there she would like shake the bed oh my god i, really, I love this i love yeah. it so I, kinda, I remember something like that um because I did the playwright observer thing yeah. and I visited there a few years ago. Um, and the thing I remember, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think so deeply about it. Cause I was just like, Oh, it's just, it's one of those East coast weird things. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I was like, um, so that's just like, that was just like my, my, uh, the thing I just took away from, but I remember visiting the, the house, O'Neill house. Oh, like the cottage. Yeah. The cottage. Yeah. Monte Cristo. Monte Cristo. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I remember visiting there and, um, and, and everyone's like kind of connecting like, Oh, you know, from inspired by, uh, inspiring his play mm -hmm. long day during tonight. And we're like, look, and I don't know why, but just being in there in that space and then thinking about the play a lot is was where I was like, ooh, this is kind of creepy. Like there was I'm sure there's bad juju in there. 100%. Yeah, bad juju. Uh it's a good yeah, I think that's a good uh way to describe it. But it made me think about what you're saying, like trauma and the the grief and and there's, there's something I felt in that house yeah. that started I thought made me think a lot about the play. But yeah, we I had a couple weird things happen to me there. Um but never things that I would attribute to Lucy specifically. And they were mm. all things that you could almost write off as normal. Mm -hmm. Like they were all yeah. borderline. Like I never saw anything weird, but um, in the room that Molly, my roommate and I slept in, in the farmhouse, which is one of the other like um, student housing buildings on campus, there was one morning that our alarm clock went off like an hour before we were supposed to wake up or something. And we didn't realize at first. And suddenly we were like, why is it still dark outside? Whoa. And our yeah. clock had gone off like a full hour before we set it, which we didn't think much of. We were just like, oh, like, I guess we like messed up or something. So we reset it. 10 minutes later, it goes off again. Whoa. And now we're like, that's a little weird because we both just watched each other reset it. It was um, battery operated. It didn't plug into the wall. So it wasn't like there was a power surge or something. And we're like, okay, we turn it off and it went off a third oh, time. Oh, I'm getting chills. And so there were, and then the weirdest thing is the last time it went off, the alarm clock in the room next to us in the house went off. Like we heard <gasps> it through the wall. And so that's when we were like, I mean, it's probably nothing or something <laughs> is definitely like fucking with us and not in like a malevolent way, but yeah. just like yeah. messing with us, wants us to know that it's there. And then the other time was in the attic, which is now a library in the mansion. I was doing homework with a, another girl, Whitney, in there. And we kept hearing this thing that all I can describe it as is it sounded like an intake of breath, like a... <gasps> what and it was one of those things like so sam and i are sitting across each other in real life at a table right now which is basically where whitney and i were and we were both looking down at the table doing our work like studio students we both hear the thing and literally our eyes like raise at the same time look at each other across the table that moment of like oh, did no. you hear that and i remember whitney and i both kind of like looking at each other like, yeah, we both fucking heard that. And then choosing to look back down at our papers and pretend it didn't happen. And then it happened again. And then we were like, oh, hell no, we're not staying in here. And it was, you know, it was the middle of the day. It's not like it was 12 o'clock in the morning or something, but we just, something didn't feel like a good energy in there. Wow. And we were just like, you know oh what? Gosh, we can do our homework somewhere else. It's fine. 
This is yeah. great. Can I tell one more yeah, story? Yeah, tell another yes. one. Yes. Okay. So this one is not technically at a theater, but a play was being performed there. So I'm going to say that that night it was a theater. Totally I'm, stre- I'm stretching the definition of theater a little bit. But um, in college, I had this wonderful voice and speech teacher uh, named Lee Smiley Grace. I went to undergrad in Philadelphia. And she was cast in this incredible site-specific production of Mary Stewart that they did at Eastern State Penitentiary, which is like a famously haunted jail in Philadelphia. Like Ghost Hunters has been there. I mean, for years, people, I mean, they do like a Halloween, like terror thing, Mm. haunted house um, that like scares the shit out of people. So I had heard stories about this place, but I went to see my, I went to see it because my teacher was in a play there. So for people who've never been to Philadelphia or seen this prison, it's this very weird shape, almost like a spider where there's like this giant like circle in the middle and then all these hallways, extremely long, creepy hallways radiating off of it. Um, and I, I've been told, I don't know if this is historically accurate, but I've been told that it's because the Quakers that built it um, wanted to make it so none of the cells could see each other mm. because they thought that if you had time for personal reflection, you would like repent and rehabilitate yourself. But what instead happened is it had like the highest incidence of like suicides and people losing their minds of any prison in the country, because you would literally never see another human because of the way these hallways are angled. So they're doing Mary Stewart in this like middle section. They've closed up all the hallways. So we're just in this like circular room um, where they put up a stage and I remember we all had to wear hard hats because it's like an extremely old building. And we had to like sign waivers <laughs> that if it fell on our heads, oh it was God. okay. So it gets to the end of the play. Spoiler again, Mary Stewart is killed. <laughs> she does not live. Um, and then there's this like fantastic, extremely long monologue by Queen Elizabeth at the end while Mary Stewart has like just been executed. So during this monologue, my teacher, Lee, had told me that they had this incredible thing where they would roll back this one flat and light one single extremely long hallway of the prison. And it was very, mm. it's a very like incredible moment of theater magic because most people didn't even know there was a hallway there, let alone that it was super long mm. and only lit by bare bulbs and picture like, it looks like an old like mental institution or something it's abandoned. And so you just see this beautiful actress from the back walking forever and ever and ever into the distance to wow. signify her death. And then the lights go off and then Elizabeth has her monologue. So Lee would have to stand like a mile down this creepy hallway in the dark for like a full 10 minutes while the other actress does her final monologue. And she told me, so maybe actually this is why, why and when I started collecting ghost stories, because I will never forget this. And I was like 18 when I heard it. It was just like, holy shit. But so she'd stand there in the dark waiting for the curtain call And I wish she could see my hands right now, but she'd stand there in the dark. She'd have to be perfectly still and silent. And she would feel a hand go (gasps) across her face. What? And like the gesture I'm doing right now is like a, like a wiping, like literally like someone just took the palm of their hand and just like swiped it across your face. And she couldn't like say or do anything because she had to be silent and still. And like the play was still going on, but she was like very far away from everyone else in the dark. And she would like, feel a freaking like palm print go across her face every night every night of the run every night every night and she was like and I just have to like stand there and take it and not do anything because like the play is still going on (gasps) and she was like I was terrified terrified and I knew it would happen every night after the first time it happened and I would just like wait for it and how could she make herself walk down that hallway night after night knowing that was coming? And like, I mean, she didn't even have to act like wow. she was going to her death. Right. She's like, I literally am going towards like the scariest thing that's oh, ever going to happen to me. Did she ask someone to like stand with her? No. <laughs> no, stay in the hallway with no. her? No, and because it was like site specific, it's not even like there was like an ASM oh, back there or something, you know? She's just wow. like standing at the end of a completely know, darkened... No like crumbling hallway oh, no. two stories like the things so that actors scary. put up with <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah so wow. and actually that might have been like the first like specific ghost story that a theater person told me that yeah. had me being like oh there's something here there's something here oh so good that is so creepy um do you think ghosts are like they they're like 
automatic. Like it's like it's because okay, so the, your friend was every night. Yeah. Going to the same location, same place, and feeling the going through the same experience of someone touching her face, and like, I don't know, do ghosts like routine? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. That's all I'm thinking. Like, what, what? I don't understand. That's just how do the ghosts know? Or yeah, know. yeah, into something. So, um, there are a lot of different sort of taxonomies of ghosts and and theories about like what they are and where they are and why. Um, but like an old British uh, ghost hunter, Peter Underwood, who has like a pretty famous taxonomy, like categories of different kinds of ghosts, um, would talk about this thing. And I think his version of it, I think he called it like mental imprint manifestation or, or something along those lines. Um, and I've heard other people sort of like in the ghost world use the word, um, residual haunting. And this is specifically, um, I think in Lee's case, my friend's uh, teacher's case, this was something different because it clearly was like interacting with her. But there is a thought that there are some ghosts that um, are almost like a broken record. Like mm-hmm. they've been perhaps not trapped in, in a space, but they still continue to reside in a space. And, and it's almost like they've, there's like this very well-worn floor pattern that they just go through like, like a a habit. And, you know, you might see them the same time every day in the same location, usually doing some sort of repetitive action. Like I always see this woman walk down the hall at three o'clock in the afternoon, Mm. or I always see like this thing going up the stairs at 3 AM, but they don't seem to necessarily interact with the living. It just seems to be like this. It's like, it's on repeat, repeat. It Mm -hmm. just like keeps happening. So there's that, but then there's of course, um, ghosts that the ghost community call intelligent, where they're, they are absolutely interacting with you in the moment and seem to be able to come and go as they please, or at least like don't seem to be tethered to like a specific time or location in the same way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I, I'm personally fascinated by that, like why some seem to be tied to a specific location or, or um, yeah. force of habit or pattern, yeah. and others seem to just be like, I'm going to show up when I want to show up and you're yeah. going to deal with it. Like yeah. <laughs> You're going to deal with and it. And I'm going to mess with you. Yeah. Yeah. Or just yeah. show you I'm here. Yeah. I mean, in, in plays, ghosts always return for like very specific reasons mm-hmm. and usually to affect the living characters, the human characters' actions, like to get them to do something on their behalf. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when you hear people tell um, quote unquote real life ghost stories, they don't always have obvious objectives in that way. Do you know what I mean? It's right. sort of like this thing happened and I, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to think about it or take away from it. Or, or am I supposed to now like go do something about it? I don't know. Um, which I find really interesting. Wow. I'm stunned. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, um, I guess before we move on to glistens, um, I guess what what do you want the audience or the listeners on this episode like to take away um uh, about what like your through your findings and your research and theater is like um I guess it's just like what do you want the audience to know about what you know I guess <laughs> <laughs> in um, one sentence one word oh lord <laughs> I'm just um, kidding <laughs> Spooky. Spooky. Uh, no, that's that's my one word. No, I think um, I think I would just encourage um, our listeners to to have a sense of curiosity about um, whether it's a theater or, or any other um, older space um, and newer spaces too. A curiosity about what was there before. Um, what was displaced to create that new space? Mm. Um, what stories uh, predated that space or perhaps have been um, dislodged or effaced by that space? Mm. Um, and who, what, yeah, I why guess is that what, important? Yeah, I guess what I'm realizing about ghosts is who, like, who gets to be remembered, right? Is the question that I'm wondering. Who, who not only gets to be remembered, but who, who gets to 
still be here or come back? Mm. <laughs> who gets to be a ghost, right? Like who, um, whose story was deemed worthy enough that we're still telling it or thinking about it? Mm. And I guess that's what I'd want people to take yeah. away is, is to, yes, ghost stories are fun. Yes, ghost stories are creepy, but also um, who, whose stories are we still continuing to tell? And whose maybe should we be telling that we're not? Oh, that's deep. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a t-shirt. I'll just write all of that on a t-shirt. <laughs> just like all on a t-shirt. <laughs> so Heather, um, where can our listeners find you? Um, your listeners can find me um, right now on uh, the CU Department of Theater and Dance's people page mm. um, where you'll find my bio, but more importantly, a link um, to my own research where I am collecting stories from people just like you, um, whether from the theater community or not, um, about uh, theatrical spaces they've either experienced as, as haunted or heard from others might be haunted. Um, so I, I would encourage anyone listening to submit their own stories or to encourage people they know to submit their stories and you can do so completely anonymously. Um, or, or you can name yourself if you want to talk to me more about it, which I would love, but you can absolutely also just put a story in and not have to tie your name to it. Um, as I think about the places that I'll be visiting for my dissertation, I'm mm. hoping to have three to five theaters that I will visit and conduct interviews in depth at. So um, love to collect those stories in the next year or two. That's so, great. So we'll that's, share that's out that link so. in our show notes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that is so exciting. Oh my gosh. What if you have an experience? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and I kind of want to, but I probably would also be terrified if I did. Um, we, my, so my husband and I were married by a friend of ours who is a psychotherapist, but also happens to be a medium. Whoa. And wow. she like pre COVID, she and her husband would go once a year to these like mediumship conferences to build their skills. And one year she invited us and my husband was like, absolutely not. You will bring something <laughs> home with you. Like no way. Oh my gosh. No way. So you didn't go? No. And we were, it was, it was in like a castle in scotland or wow. something and i'm like come on let's go and he That's said so absolutely awesome. not absolutely not it'll like sit next year on the plane no way no way so he's more afraid than you are he it's a healthy fear i guess that yeah, means that he actually fear. thinks there's something there if he is afraid of it but mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm also afraid but i'm so interested that i kind of would just do it and he's like no yeah no we i need to draw the line somewhere with you so <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, folks, if you got ghost stories, <laughs> met them. Love it. Um, all right. So glisten. So at the end of the show, this is where we talk about our favorite, um, something that happened during the week. It could be a music discovered, a show you watched, a news headline, anything that caught your attention um, and resonated with you. That's a part of our show. Um, I'll start first. My glisten, I guess, is now we're on the theme of ghosts and like Halloween and creepy. Um, uh, I just watched a Simpsons Treehouse Horror. Yes. <laughs> this is something I, it's like the one, it's like I don't watch Simpsons, but every year I'll, I will watch this episode, like the Halloween special. Mm -hmm. And I've watched it since I was like four years old, um, five years old, ever since I knew what TV was. Um, and yeah, I mean, they did a little parody of Parasite, which is really funny. Oh, yes. How did they get, like, a entire movie and got all the, the good parts into, like, 30 seconds? Like, I don't get it. I don't know how they do that, but they did it. Um, So, yeah, I love it. Uh, Watch Simpsons, Treehouse Horror. Highly recommend. <laughs> well, watch all of them. Just beat the I love The Simpsons. Them. Yeah. So good. Um, My glisten is just that I got a haircut just today, and... Um, I went to a barber and they're really experts in short hair. So it feels really good. I was just like, do your artistry. I'm not going to tell you what to do. 
which I recommend. Heather, Heather you're there with Sam. How does it look? <laughs> it looks good. And the funny thing is I did notice it when we sat down, uh, but then I was like, oh, I, I need to keep it professional. For the podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. but, good. <laughs> um, thanks for checking, Sarah. All right. Just want to make sure you're not lying on the show. <laughs> uh, Heather, what's your glisten? Um, my glisten. Okay, so I think I might be behind the ball. Like, I think this might have been a glisten for everyone else a few weeks ago, and I just found out about it. But I heard about the No Bones Day thing. Oh, Do you know about that? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, um, <laughs> it, and this is because my husband's on TikTok, and I'm not, and I don't know any of that, you know, cool TikTok stuff. But he knows I love dogs. And he's like, oh, have you heard about the no bones day thing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he shows me this like TikTok of some guy who has like a pug or puggle. And he said every morning he like goes and it's like a really old dog. And he goes up and he's like, okay, is it a bones day or a no bones day? Because like the dog sometimes when he puts it on its feet, it just like collapses as if it has no bones. And he's like, oh, I guess it's like a personal care day. You're just going to stay there. I was like, oh my God, I have no bones days. Like I have days where I cannot like function. I love this idea. So that's my glisten. No bones day. So funny. It's so funny. The internet was like, all around this dog of like, tell me how my day is going to go. Yeah, basically. <laughs> what? It's so funny, but really cute. So my husband cute. was like, oh, bring it up to your students. They'll think you're so cool for knowing. And I'm like, this is probably from like two years ago. And I just saw it now. <laughs> like, I'll actually reveal my fundamental uncoolness if I tell them about yeah, it Yeah, I think anytime you try to show your students you're cool, always It always backfires. <laughs> Well, Heather, it's been so nice talking to you, you about too. ghosts in Woo. the theater. Oh, thank you both for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. I think I'm going to play some creepy music here oh, as please. our outro. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beckett's Babies. If you enjoyed what you heard or learned a thing or two about playwriting, Be sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends. And if you'd like to reach out and share with us your thoughts on playwriting and theater, or maybe be a guest on the show, uh, be sure to visit our website at www.beckettsbabies.com. That's www.beckettsbabies.com, and you can contact us there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.